It's time for the Rose Chat Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the world's most beloved flower, the rose. Join award-winning gardeners Chris Van Cleef and Teresa Byington as they chat with rose lovers and experts from around the globe. With each episode, you'll gain valuable knowledge and insights to achieve the rose garden you've always dreamed of. Listen now as we explore the world of roses. Try Haven Brand Soil Conditioners, providing generations of gardeners with a truly all-natural alternative to chemical fertilizers with their line of composted manure and alfalfa teas. Easy to brew and use on all indoor and outdoor plants. Find them online at manuretea.com. Hey friends, Gay Hammond is back today. Good news. And this time she'll help us better understand what's really in those bags of potting mixes. Oh boy. So grab a pencil, some paper, and the beverage of your choice because Gay has a lot to tell us. Hey, Gay, welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to to get on my in the bag soapbox and share some things with your listeners that they may not be aware of and do like I did and just buy whatever's on the shelf thinking it would do the job I needed it to do and surprise surprise (laughs) oh that is so true last year I bought several different kinds of potting mixes I was beginning to see things that I just wasn't sure about and I was trying to do a little test I saw things that I was sure neither me nor my plants needed in that bag like a blue painted chips of something a lot of them bits of plastic very large pieces of wood. It looked more like mulch. So were you seeing the same things or is it just me? No, it's not you. Um, And unfortunately, uh, there's really no uh, standardization or no oversight. Nobody's looking out for the consumer when it comes to stuff that's in the bag. And I had a similar experience after Hurricane Harvey. I had a boat go through the rose garden in my front yard. And it was clearly a boat because you could see the keel of it. And I had to buy 20 bags of what I thought was garden soil. So I went down to the local box store and I got 20 bags and I got home and I had 20 bags of sawdust. And so I took 19 bags back to the box store in a baggie full of sawdust Mm. And got my money back, got 20 more bags. And when I got home, I had bags of uh, pine bark, ground up pine bark mulch. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'd have used either of those products, my rose garden wouldn't be there today. Mm -hmm. And so that got me to doing lots of investigation and figuring out of all those products that were sold at that box store, only one product actually had soil in the bag but I had to buy one of everything to figure out which one that was because if even if it says soil on the bag it may not be in the bag absolutely but before we go any further I want you to tell our listeners about the work you've been involved with that led you to where you are today on the subject not just your experiences but your past experiences Well, I've been working with horticulturalists and scientists, especially with Texas A&M, since uh, since 2000, year 2000, so 22 years. And our research team has a whole program on landscape management. So I understand a lot about soil. I understand what makes them healthy. 
I understand what gets in the way of our plants being healthy. And I understand that there's a lot of issues around bag soil medium. And so what I believe today and what I'm sharing with our listeners is I'm talking from what I have actually seen. Mm -hmm. I'm talking based on what I know from our research. I'm talking from what I know in visiting with other soil scientists. Uh, And one of the things that I have come to learn is that using the inappropriate planting medium is the major cause in the rose industry of having unsuccessful rootings, having seeds not germinate uh, correctly, uh, and failing failure of stem cuttings uh, when we propagate on root roses because it's a problem with the with the planting media, and so all of those places have given me knowledge and and where to go to get answers. And so, what we're going to talk about comes from all of that experience. Well. <laughs> There are so many different products on the market. They have different names. They have different ingredients. And so how do we know what's best for our situation? Well, first we have to understand that most of these products, I mean, I remember back to the day when there was only one or two in the stores. And so you didn't have much choice. (laughs) But today, if you go to any box store, the entire garden center perimeter wall is filled with different types of, of bag medium products. And what we have to understand that today, most of the time, those products are designed for a specific purpose. And if we're going in, like I was going in, uh, to repair a bed damaged by Hurricane Harvey, and I needed a soil product, what I got home with was not a soil product. And so that makes us have to be uh, more informed about our decisions because the purpose of the product in the bag may not fit my purpose. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some products, bag products have been known to kill plants outright. Mm -hmm. And, and we, I'll share with you how that happens. Uh, Some products in bags tend to deteriorate plant health. And that's, there's a lot of reasons for that. Sometimes the nutrient, Uh, composition in the bag is too rich and it burns plants up. Sometimes there are uh, toxic compounds in the bag that impact the the plant. Sometimes the product, like in my case, is mostly ground up wood of some form or another. And if I would have mixed that with soil, the decomposition of the wood requires nitrogen out of my soil And therefore, it's going to the decomposition of the wood product, not my plants. And so my (laughs) plants are starving to death. And if I go back in time, 20 years, I I have bought bagged planting products that have been sawdust, ground up pine bark, uh, clods of what appeared to be raw manure, Bags containing broken glass, shingles, rusty metal, a license plate, 
and big pieces of lumber, just like you. <laughs> and, and I will share with you a story. It's not just the homeowners that get stuck in this quandary. Uh, years ago, uh, I consulted with Ryman Gardens, which is connected to University of Iowa. They have the largest collection of roses created by the late Dr. Griffith Buck. And every year I would go up there and evaluate the roses primarily created by Dr. Buck and help them answer questions and anything they needed to know. I was their consulting rosarian. And I was scheduled to go uh, during the summer. And a couple of weeks before the trips, the curator called and said, oh, don't come. We have Rose Rosette in our whole rose garden, and it will be a wasted trip. And I said, well, when did all this happen? And she said, for the last couple of weeks. I said, well, first of all, that's not possible. <laughs> and second of all, I will be there day after tomorrow. I'm not going to wait a couple of weeks to come. I need to see what you're looking at and help you figure out what you really have, because it's not Rose Rosette. Come to find out some overzealous employee found a new vendor who gave them a huge discount on new planting medium. They used it and unbeknownst to Ryman Gardens, it was full of granular herbicide or plant growth inhibitor. And they lost about 10% of their roses because of what was in that bag. And, and so it always makes me nervous when I buy something off the shelf and bring it to my house and use it in my garden. If I don't know what's in the bag and can rely on whatever it is, is good for my plants. Oh, boy, absolutely. Well, what do you think about products that we get from local suppliers? Well, I have an interesting take on that. Unlike national brands who, who don't know Gay Hammond, nor could they care less, local suppliers do know Gay Hammond. And they have more to risks because their customers are local. And so if they get a bad review or a bad reputation because they sell a product that damages a local gardener's garden, especially a rose garden, because we tend to be kind of vocal, <laughs> um, they, the local people tend to be more attuned to our experience and tend to want our experience to be a good experience. Um I buy, if I have to buy a product in a bag, I buy one of two local products because I can count on the quality of the product that is in their bag. Now, both of these companies, I have been to their site. I have climbed mountains of stuff. I have watched them make it. I've watched them mix it. I've watched them put it in a bag. I have gotten copies of their soil analysis and when I didn't know the companies as well as I do today, I would even buy a bag of it and take it and have my own soil analysis run and compare theirs to mine to see if they were in line with one another. And one of the things that I've learned from local 
suppliers is. In most cases, that big colorful bag that's got 12 different colors and pictures and that hides what's in that bag. A lot of times you're better served if you can see the product. I don't buy any product that I can't see what's in the bag. In fact, last weekend I made an Ace Hardware at Navasota open up three different products so I could see what that product actually looked like and make an informed decision. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I would rather buy local uh, because they have my interest at heart. And I'm not saying that the big companies don't, but the local people have more to lose. Oh, absolutely. And and you were talking about climbing those mountains. I think of nothing more beautiful than a mountain of fresh mulch or topsoil. Those are beautiful things. I hear you. <laughs> now, you quickly mentioned that there were no government regulations for these products. Did I hear that correctly? You did. Nobody is out there looking out for us when it comes to what's in the bag. Mm-hmm. And, and so... What I have seen is that that labels can be confusing or outright misleading. I picked up a product two weeks ago that the front of the bag said, use for containers only. And you flip the bag over and the instructions are using it inside a vegetable garden. Now, which is it? You don't know. Uh, Sometimes bags, because these bags are designed by marketers, They'll use buzzwords like organic or natural, which are intended to make us infer that that product is somehow better than all the other products that have organic or natural on the bag. Those are red flags to me. Mm-hmm. If the product is organic, it should have a logo on the bag called OMRI, Organic. Materials Resource Institute. That entity takes products and tests them independently and determines Mm -hmm. whether or not the product is truly organic. And if it is, they certify it as an organic product. But you can't just go by that logo on a bag Mm -hmm. because too many times I looked the product up on the OMRI website and see that there are specific restrictions for the use of that product. And those restrictions don't show up on the bag anywhere. Mm. Like, don't use this if, and you don't know that if you're buying the product. And so you want to make sure that if you're trying to grow organically, the product truly is organic. Because I, I tell people a lot, Sewage is organic, and it's certainly natural. But you really want to put your hands in it or grow your food in it. So that you need to watch for the buzzwords. Uh, another one of my pet peeves is these uh, product, these companies that don't put the ingredients on the label, or where do the ingredients come from? Um, Miracle Grow Garden Soil for Roses you would assume that there is soil in that bag, but it is not listed in the ingredients list. Um, So 
you have to read the label. You have to ask yourself, does this make sense? Sometimes you have to look stuff up. And then my newest pet peeve, because I haven't seen this before, is sometimes there's a picture of gloves, usually on the front or the back of the bag. And it's a big picture. We recommend you use gloves in order to use this product. Why would you do that? If, if the product in the bag is not safe for you to handle without gloves, is it safe for your plants? Yeah. And, and, and I don't know the answer to that because nobody says, why do I have, why is this caution on the bag? Uh, but one of the things that I have seen, and this has just come up recently, was a lot of times these products contain, well, in the case today, 700 times the limit, the recommended limit of heavy metals or salts. And so there is a website where you can put these products in and see government analysis of the product and see what those levels of heavy metals and salts are. Uh, so I find that very helpful when I have to do my own research about what's in the bag. Mm-hmm. I just shudder to think of how many times I've bought one of these products without reading the label. I really didn't think about reading the label. I just assumed there were standards. There are not standards. Wow. Well, I think it's safe to say that all bag products are not created equal, right? That's true. That's true. So just because soil appears on the bag, does that mean there's soil in the bag? It does not. What, what, the differentiation, the differentiation of the word soil typically means it's a product to use outside. If the word potting is in the label, that product is used for containers. Now, sometimes the containers are only for inside use. Sometimes the containers are for inside or outside use. But you can rest assured that if potting is in the label, it is a product only for containers. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes industry mixes them up because potting soil and potting mix are two different products. Sometimes the retailers mix those up, those names up. And sometimes home gardeners mix them up because everybody else mixes them up. Mm-hmm. So that's really where you have to look at the ingredient list to determine if that bag is appropriate for the planting project that you're undertaking. Okay, there are lots of names. So could you give us a rundown of what these different names on the bag products mean and how are they supposed to be used? Sure. <clears throat> there are four basic ones. And now if you if you go to websites like Epsoma, you know, they've got 20 different kinds, but they make a, a soil product or a planting product for every kind of plant. So we're not going to talk about all the subcategories. We're going to talk about the main ones. Mm-hmm. There are seed mixes, and those usually say seed mixes or potting mix for seed. Those are a soil-free product. Uh, they're usually a sterile mix of perlite, peat moss, sphagnum moss, or vermiculite. They're really lightweight. They have no weight to them whatsoever. 
And the negative side, if we use these type of products, is if they ever dry out, it's almost impossible to re-wet them. So those have to be, to maintain the germination rate, uh, those have to be regularly watered so that they stay moist at all times. I have a preferred brand when it comes to seed mixes, and this is just years of experience. I use what's called BACTO, B-A-C-C-T-O, potting mix, and I have never had a problem with it. So I'm sticking with what works. <laughs> then we have garden soil. Garden soil is only used in the ground. It may or may not contain soil, so don't go by the word soil on the bag. You have to use, uh, read the directions. It's used to improve garden beds, and usually the bags will say not recommended for use in containers. So, you know, okay, that's not for my pot plants. Um, then we have potting mix, which is just for containers. It's typically a blend of perlite, peat, ground up barks, vermiculite, and depending on the manufacturer, there may be more ingredients. Has no soil. It's often sterile. If you were to try to use it in a garden bed, it would lack the elements necessary to support plants outside. It's going to eventually break down and lose its nutrient value. So you have to regularly fertilize plants that are potted in potting mixes. And inevitably, it's going to get used up as it is used. And so you're going to have to repot that plant usually once a growing season, at the beginning of the growing season, because the nutrients and the organic matter in potting mixes uh, has uh, degraded or decayed to the point that it's oxidized and it's gone. And then we have potting soil. And potting soil is where industry kind of gets confused. Uh, the ingredients in those bags that say potting soil vary widely. Some people describe it as dirt that no longer has adequate elements to feed plants. Now that's pretty brutal. May or may not have soil in the bag, may or may not have nutrients or elements that will support plant growth, so you have to fertilize. Some brands that I have purchased have actually have weeds growing inside the bag. So whatever the material is in the bag has not been composted at a high enough heat level to kill weed seeds, pathogens, and sometimes these bags... 10% of them are filled with sand. So usually potting soil is cheaper than a potting mix uh, because it may or may not have those nutrient elements in it. But um, uh, you just have to, again, read the label. And then there's dirt. And it, dirt is not one of my four categories because you don't find a, a bag of nothing in the box store that says, this is just dirt. Dirt has no beneficial microbes, no nutrients that are essential for plant health. When you think of dirt, dirt is what we sweep up off the patio floor and put in the, in the garbage can. There's nothing to it. If you don't know the difference in dirt and soil, dirt does not compact when it gets wet. 
And sometimes it's really hard to wet it thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And it does not make a good planting medium. Here's the kicker. If you don't have earthworms living in your pots or in your garden, your soil is not healthy because earthworms will not live in dirt. So that's just a tip. I have a lot of pots that are up on stands that are four foot off the ground. And if you dig into them, you're going to find earthworms. How they got there, I don't know. (laughs) But that tells me that when I root around and I find them, Whatever's in that pot is healthy. Absolutely. Okay, let's let's talk a minute about shelf life. Some of those bags look pretty, pretty um, sun damaged and are open. And if they've been around for a while, they're faded. So, do they have a shelf life? Absolutely. Now, if you ask the manufacturers, they say no, but in reality, they do. Uh, an open bag of potting soil or potting mix. The product in that bag is reliable for 6 to 12 months if the bag is stored in a dry area. Uh, If you haven't used it by the end of the growing season, um, it's suitable to add it to the compost bin or to use it to bump up container plants into the next largest size and get a jump on spring repotting. Mm -hmm. Just use it to repot a little earlier. Um, seal bags, on the other hand, uh, if they're sealed and kept dry, they will last one to two years. Now, because I've done this, I've gone to an Ace Hardware in a little town because it's the only place that I can buy bag product. And I go with the big snow shovel and I scoop up all of the bags that have disintegrated and bust it open and spill the contents in the back on the backyard. Uh, and I take them home and I put them in a compost bin. I add fertilizer and then six months later, it's fine to use. So if the bag has disintegrated, because usually the bag disintegrates before the product does, mm-hmm. uh, you can rest assured that the contents have started to degrade or have degraded and Whatever organic matter was in the bag has broken down uh, or has oxidized and has deteriorated. And that product or that bag is going to have to be revived in order to use it successfully with plants. The main reason that these bag products deteriorate is the organic matter decays and oxidizes away. So if you add compost back to the product, that will gradually improve that bagged product, planting product, so that you can actually use it. You know it's no good if the product is heavily compacted. Now, the fix for that is mixing in expanded shale. Most manufacturers don't know a thing about expanded shale. The bag product is bad if it has really high or really low levels of nutrients. One of the reasons for that is products that contain slow-release fertilizers being stored outside in the box store. When that product gets wet and moisture forms in the bag, the fertilizer releases, and now you've got a really hot bag of stuff 
with liquefied fertilizer directly in it. Mm. So I would consider that bad. Um, has there been a significant change in the texture of the product? Is it now hard and clumpy? Well, hard and clumpy indicates that that bag was really saturated with water. It dried out and made little concrete bricks. And so you have to do something to amend that up so that you can use it or use it to fill a hole somewhere in your turf. And there are some warning signals. You don't have to be a chemist or a soil scientist to figure this out. If you open a bag and it smells like rotten eggs or something sour or just nasty, it's bad. <laughs> if you open a bag and you see critters crawling around, it's bad. Fun things like fungus gnats are routinely found in old bags of potting mix. And if you plant young plants in mix mixes that have these pests in them, they will eat the roots and then the plant will die. Uh, cockroaches. I've had this. I bought a bag and in the car, in the back of my Cadillac, I heard something scratching around that sound like little mice. I'm like, what in the world? I get it home. Inside the bag, it was full of big tree roaches. And we certainly don't want that product being in a pot in our house. Um, so, so those are some red flags that if you buy a product and you open it up and you're just not sure, will help you decide whether or not you should go ahead and use that product. Oh, boy, a lot to think about, a lot to think about. So uh, you mentioned that some of the bags have fertilizer in them, and I would even go so far as to say almost all of them do today. You know, that a few years ago, that was kind of unheard of, maybe one or two, but, but as I'm looking at them this year, almost everything has fertilizer already in that. Now, do we need that? Well, I think it's funny because in some that I looked at today that had big fertilizer I feed your plants for six months. Well, that's a good marketing spin. But in reality, if that bag is full of ground up wood product and that fertilizer is not there to help with the decomposition of the product, then putting that product in my soil is going to rob my plants of whatever nitrogen is in my soil and divert it away from the plants to this decomposition process. So yes, they put fertilizer in the bag, but the reason that they do that is because they don't want to hear from me because their product killed my plants or starved my plants to death because it robbed the soil of nitrogen. Some people will hit, will know this as a nitrogen sink. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's why you have fertilizer in the product. So that's that. Yeah. that's taking the place of what's going to happen by the product that you're going to use. That's true. And, and what, when we read the label, we need to also understand that that fertilizer can take two forms. It can be manure-based. A lot of times, um, manures come from feedlot operations. And the manures from those operations tend to be high in salt and high in heavy metals. And so, if we don't know where that 
is coming from, where that product manure fertilizer is coming from, we could be introducing something into our garden that we don't intend. And then other kinds of fertilizer that I see in bags is a slow release form of fertilizer, like uh, something in a little prill, like a BB that's filled Mm -hmm. with fertilizer. Well, those prills release uh, fertilizer in microscopic amounts, but the speed with which it releases is either based on the heat or the moisture. If you've got a bag sitting outside in Houston, Texas, where we get 56 inches of rain a year, that bag's going to stay wet. And it may be on the shelf six months before I go in and buy it. And all that fertilizer in all those prills has been released into that bag. And we see a lot of people say, I didn't put anything on my plants, but I potted it in X. And this is what happened. And you start looking and you may, you have chemical burn. And, and that's one way it comes is because the fertilizer has been released into the bag and it's now too hot. Mm-hmm. And so if those products that you're buying that have slow release fertilizer in them are not stored inside in a dry place, I would avoid it like the plague. Well, that leads me to think about the different kinds of mixes. And we hear a lot about sterile mixes. Do we need to use sterile mixes? Well, there's a time and a place for sterile mixes. Um, Sterile mixes, in my opinion, are best used when we're trying to start cuttings or we're trying to start seed. We don't need high-powered, high-micro-content, really rich soil at that stage of the game because the plant doesn't have roots yet. We're just trying to get incentivize it to get roots, either through a seed or through a cutting. Once you get roots, then it's time to move from a sterile mix to a more hardy mix that will support the plant. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. It does. The, the seed contains what it needs to pop open and get started, but then we're going to feed it once it does. Now, everyone's going to want to know this. What does gay use? Well, based on my buy 20 bags and be surprised and buy 20 more bags and be surprised and buy one of everything in the store, it's probably not surprising that I don't use any name brands. Um, I use what I know. I use what I've had good luck with. Uh, I use Bacto potting mix to start seed and to root cuttings. Uh, Once my seed has developed roots or my cutting has developed roots, I will bump uh, the plant up into a one-gallon pot that contains local uh, soil mixes. Uh, The Houston Rose Society has its own brand of uh, rose soil, or I use uh, a product called Soil Complete that's made by the Arborgate Nursery in Tomball. Both of these are local suppliers and local retailers who are both supportive of the Houston Rose Society. Um, and I don't have problems using those. 
and I don't have to worry about what's in the bag. <laughs> um, if, if I'm hybridizing and I checked with another hybridizer uh, last night just to make sure that we, she and I were on the same page. Uh, if you're hybridizing and you are trying to germinate seed or just starting seedlings, then there's two good products that she and I can both recommend. One is called ProMix Potting Mix. And she has used ProMix for 20-some years. Or there's a newer product called Coco Loco, which is a coconut core-based potting mix that's made by the Bush Doctor, or it's sold under the Bush Doctor name. Now, when she told me this, because I've never used Coco Loco, the first thing that came to my mind is I am an avid watcher of the Curse of Oak Island. And if you watch the Curse of Oak Island, last year or the year before, they found coconut core that was hundreds of years old, 100 feet below ground. It had not deteriorated. You could tell it was coconut core. (laughs) Now, that stuff does not go anywhere. (laughs) And it it does have some beneficial properties for plants. Um, But my understanding of the use of a coconut core product is to maximize the water holding capacity of the core so that the the cuttings or the seed stays moist um, and also the incorporation of larger amounts of air, which the seedling needs to get started. And so I have used the uh, ProMix. Usually I use ProMix because it's more expensive, a more expensive product uh, when I have to propagate large numbers or start seed of large numbers of plants. Um, otherwise, I use, my go-tos are the two local products that I use. And, and some people will tell me, because I run into this at the Ace Hardware in Navasota, Texas, they say, Miss Hammond, this is all we can get. Mm-hmm. And so it may be that your choices, depending on where you live, are very limited. And so if you have to buy a product that you have not used before and you don't know really what's in it, uh, my best recommendation is to look the product up on either the OMR site or some of the regulatory sites to see who has looked at them independently and what did those evaluations say. And then If that didn't raise any red flags, then I would look at the label front and back and say, do I see any red flags here? And if I'm stuck with having to use it, uh, one of the things that that people tell me is "Take take a little flat of it, count out 25 lettuce seed, put it in the flat in seven days, see how many of the 25 seeds sprouted. If it's not 80% or more, that might not be the best product to use. And if nothing else works, use your native soil and amend up. 
that would be my preference if I can't get a local product that I am happy with its quality. What would you use to amend your native soil? Well, it, I know what's in my native soil. And so usually if I've got to take some and, and use it in a pot, I'm going to add uh, expanded shale. Expanded shale is a rock. Shale is a rock. It's heated to 2,000 degrees in these giant ovens, and it pops like popcorn. And the particle size of a, of a quarter of an inch is the particle size tested by A&M. And what that does, if you mix it in with um, the soil you're going to use to pot plants with, or you can use it in heavy clay-based soils, what it does is it keeps the soil from compacting. It also will divert water from the, the planting medium uh, to the shale particles, and it will sit there stored until the plant roots need water. So if, if you have a lot of pot plants and you're not good, like me, of watering on a regular basis, uh, that expanded shale is somewhat forgiving and helps manage the, the watering of the plants. Uh, some products you will see say, water storing crystals. I have a really interesting experience with that. A professional landscaper put it in my sister's rose garden without saying that he did. And I walked out there one, what's this blue jello? Well, in about a month, because it was the spring and it was raining like a frog strangler, her plants started dying. And I made him come out there and look, and he said, oh, I think it's too wet. Mm -hmm. I said, well, why is it too wet? It's never been too wet before. Oh, well, I bet it's all that uh, water-storing gel I put on. I said, is that, that blue jello stuff? Yes, ma'am. I said, well, how do we get it out? And he just looked at me and said, I have no idea. I had to dig her entire rose garden up, spade by spade, and scoop out the equivalent of room temperature jello to get that stuff out of the soil. <laughs> and so expanded shell is a much better product for that <laughs> Now, I have to say that last fall when we did uh, the first um, podcast on soil, I had never heard of using expanded shell. But now, you know, you go to, you go to Amazon, you can buy it there. So that's real thing. True. And the only, the only warning I can give is not everybody understands that size matters when it comes to expanded shell. The size of, of aggregate particle that works to improve soils is the quarter inch. Mm -hmm. uh, I get mine from a company called Soil Mender. Uh, they're here in Texas. And you can buy it by the bag. It's the equivalent price of what you can find on Amazon. It may be a little higher. But Baron Ablong that owns that company was part of the research that Texas A&M and our team did on the use of expanded shale to improve clay soils. And so not only did we find it improved clay soils instantly, we found that it's 
wonderful for the use of potted plants because it keeps the soil or the potting medium from compacting and suffocating the plant roots. All good stuff there for sure. Well, Gay, we have a few more minutes. What didn't I think to ask you? What would you like to tell us about that I forgot to ask? Well, I have I have one bugaboo. In all the research I've done on bag products, they all say the same thing. Don't put garden products or products spent for the garden in a pot. I disagree. I very loudly disagree. Clearly, the manufacturers of these products do not know about expanded shale. Probably have never tried expanded shale. Uh, And I am a firm believer that if my soil in my garden is healthy, I should be able to take it and mix in expanded shale, maybe compost, and plant my plant in a pot using my own healthy soil and mulch that pot appropriately so that the the management of that soil and that pot is the same as in my garden with one exception. And that is I am going to have to fertilize the plant in the pot where I may not have to fertilize the plant in the garden. And that is because I'm watering that pot more. The more water that runs out the bottom, the more nutrients run out the bottom. And so you're going to have to have some kind of regular feeding program for your pots. But in my opinion, I have never, not one time ever, have I run into a problem using my own stuff and amending it up. Whereas I've run into lots of problems buying something off the shelf and getting stuck with the result of buying stuff off the shelf. So you just have to figure out what's right for me. And if you're going to use a bag product, be an informed user, do your homework, see if the purpose that that bag was created for fits your purpose. And if you don't know, use a little bit of it for a couple of months in something and if you get good results, maybe that's okay. If you don't get good results, you know not to buy more. You know, so many times, you know, when you just do things um, without reading or thinking, if things go well, you don't really know who to applaud. And if things go poorly, you don't know who is at fault. So um, doing a little research is always good. Reading the labels we know is always good. I'm going to be better at reading labels, I, I assure you. Well, I didn't know it was so important until I started down this road with the 20 bags and 20 bags and then one of everything. Mm-hmm. And at that point, my grandmother would call it old bitty mad. And, <laughs> and I chewed the manager of the Home Depot store out so bad that when I finally cooled off the next week, I had to take him a plate of cookies and apologize that I was so ugly. (laughs) But in my opinion, the company was fostering the misinformation that was on the bag. Mm -hmm. And and he had to admit he had no idea that the bag that said soil did not have soil in it. It was just sawdust. Well, I'm sure he appreciated the cookies. (laughs) Well, that's 
and a friend was made for sure. <laughs> well, all in this I don't together. know about a friend. I don't know about a friend. I think he would just please, Lord, don't let him come back and talk to me again. <laughs> okay, as with every time we talk, my head is spinning in a good way. In a good way, you've shared some life on the subject, and I think all better prepared to make good purchases. So thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Well, it's my pleasure. And I always look forward to talking to you and sharing uh, information with you and bouncing ideas off of you. Because if we don't do that, um, our rose growing hobby is not going to expand and be better. So I'm happy to share with however I can. Well, we sure appreciate you. And friends, we, we thank you for tuning in. Is your head spinning too? I'm, I sure hope you found some information helpful to get your garden healthy and um, growing strong. And until next time, happy gardening, friends. You've been listening to the Rose Chat Podcast with Chris Van Cleve and Teresa Byington, expert rose gardeners who want to help you achieve the rose garden of your dreams. Don't miss an episode. Listen anytime on our website at rosechatpodcast.com or listen on the go via the Rose Chat app on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Share this podcast with your social networks and join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using the hashtag RoseChat. Join us next time for another edition of the Rose Chat Podcast. The Rose Chat Podcast is a production of the Rose Chat Media Group, Birmingham, Alabama.